I'm not going to preach a sermon today. We're, we're not going to necessarily look carefully at a biblical text. Today's a family day, okay? So if you're visiting, doesn't really pertain to you, super happy you're here, come again, stick around, happy you're here. But this is for those that call reality their home church. For those of us who are mutually invested on mission, we, we feel called to be on mission together. So we're going to talk about this morning what it means and what it looks like for us to be obedient in the mission Christ has given us as a church at this moment in history as reality. Okay, so that's what we're going to talk about. I'm going to show a quick video that some of you may have seen or may not have seen that will give a lot of information in just a minute and sort of set the stage for what we'll be talking about. So tune in. Reality is a multi-campus church. That means that we are one church, but we meet in multiple locations. For right now, these locations are Carpinteria and Ventura, with more to come later. Each location is called a campus. The reason that we have multiple campuses is to be more effective in reaching more people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Because people were driving to our first location, Carpinteria, from surrounding communities, we were overflowing with people and had lots of crowding problems. Instead of trying to build a bigger building, we opened a second campus. We did it to be more effective in mission. Instead of people having to drive a long ways to come to church and thereby leave their context and location of their primary relationships, we took the church gathering to where they lived in order to help them be the church where God has called them to be. Being a multi-campus church enables us to share important things like leadership, expertise, experience, equipment, and resources. All of this helps us to be more effective in reaching more people in more places with the good news about Jesus. So there you have it. One church, two locations. One staff, two locations. We love you and we'll see you soon. That's, that's a great video. I, I, I love that video. Here's what we're called to do as a church. Okay, let's get, let's get this straight. Here is what we're called to do as a church. We are called to introduce, explain, and expose Jesus to as many people as possible. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We together are called to introduce, explain, and expose Jesus to as many people as possible because we believe that Jesus is the only way to have a relationship with God through his finished work on the cross, what he's done for us and making us acceptable to God. We believe that what the human heart longs for and needs most is God himself. And what we gain through the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, is God himself. So we believe that the only way to have a relationship with God is through Christ Jesus, his work on the cross. The only way to heaven, which is where everybody wants to go, is through Jesus Christ. We also believe that Jesus and his love and his redemptive and restorative work in our lives are the answer to everything. Literally the answer to everything. 
that Jesus and his work in our lives corrects and transforms our wrong beliefs and actions about ourselves, others, relationships and how we do them, the purpose of life, the pursuits of life, money, humanity, that it alone makes sense of history and evil and the world in total. So because we believe that Jesus is the only way to relationship with God, the only way to eternity in heaven, and the only way by which we are made whole and right, we want to introduce, explain, and expose Jesus to as many people as possible. And our mission then is to help people see Jesus as their ultimate treasure and ultimate goal, that they value Jesus more than anything else in this world, and they live for Jesus more than anything else in this world. Not only so that God can be enjoyed, but that through sacrifice, God might also be glorified in our lives, enjoyed by us and glorified by us as we live on mission sacrificially with him. So then, as a church, as reality, everything we do is about Jesus. Everything we do is part of the goal to introduce, explain, expose Jesus to as many people as possible. Everything else is superfluous, secondary at best. Jesus is the primary thing. And we want to do this, introduce, explain, and expose Jesus to as many as we possibly can. So we do this in a few ways. We do this when we gather in teaching, preaching, worshiping, experiencing Jesus together. We do this when we scatter in teaching, preaching, worshiping, and experiencing Jesus when we're on mission with him. We do this in the planting of churches in different places. We do this in the launching of campuses in different places. We, we do this by investing in and training leaders. We do this by equipping mission, uh, excuse me, equipping Christians to live life on mission in their context, to help people see that wherever you are right now, you're sent there by God to live out his purposes. We do this by sending missionaries around the world and around the block. We do this by helping to alleviate every sort of misery that we see, and yet by expressly pointing people to a greater hope that we have in Jesus, that we know one who will never be shaken. We're concerned about suffering in the world, but we're concerned primarily about ultimate and eternal suffering. So we do good, we do mercy, we do justice, we do relief work, but we prioritize ultimate good as it pertains to the preaching of the gospel of the forgiveness of sins through the person of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. So for us as a church together, reality, family talk here, everything is about Jesus and how we can introduce, explain, and expose him to as many people as possible. So to that end, we teach and preach Christ the Bible, and the gospel. We do it in what we say through proclamation and what we do 
demonstration. We hold that same sort of mindset that the Apostle Paul had, who said, I've become all things to all men so that I might by all means save some. I do all things for the sake of the gospel so that I may become a fellow partaker of it. In other words, Paul was saying, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to deliver the good news of Jesus Christ to people, whatever that entails. In fact, everything I do is to that end. Okay, that's us as a church. Everything that we do is to that end of delivering the good news of Jesus Christ to people. Everything else is secondary. Now, when we started as a church in 2003, it was September 7th of 2003, we had pre-launch prayer meetings. So we had prayer meetings for several months before we ever had a service. And when we started praying and when we first received the call to start Reality Carpinteria, I figured, and along with the original launch team, that it would be a church for Carpinteria. And for me, that was like best news ever. I was born and raised in Carp. Where's my people? Yes. I was born and raised in Carpinteria. I've been around the world, and honestly, there's no place I'd rather be. It's my goal to rot, die, ex be exterminated, killed, whatever, here in Carpinteria. And, and so when we felt like the Lord was leading us to start a church in Carpinteria for Carpinteria, was overwhelmed, excited, perfect. And then as we begin to pray, as sometimes happens when you pray, God shifts things a little bit in your understanding. God began to communicate to us that we were called to the coastlands, that it was, it was bigger than Carpinteria, but it was centered in Carpinteria, but it had to do with the surrounding districts was really what we were called to. We began to sense this together in prayer. The Lord began to um, just encourage us in that through scripture, different places in the Old Testament, in Isaiah, places that talk about the Lord will go forth like a warrior in the coastlands. He will accomplish his goals, stuff like that. And then God gave me a prophetic vision where I saw his hands wrapped around our area from Goleta to Oxnard, and he said, that's what you're called to. So we, we had this sense that the calling was centered in carp, but bigger than carp. And then we opened up the doors, and, and that sense was confirmed, because from day one, people were coming from Goleta to Oxnard here to Carpinteria, and, and even beyond. We had dozens of people coming from Los Angeles, which eventually led us to starting reality Los Angeles, <clears throat> the surrounding areas, so on and so forth. But that prophetic sense of we're called to the coastlands, this whole region from Goleta to Oxnard was confirmed, and that from day one, people were coming there. And really from day one, Carpinterians were a minority in our church. They are today, and they, they always have been. That's been problematic for us, primarily because we've always had an overcrowding problem. From the moment we opened, and this was just an empty warehouse, we have had more people than we knew what to do with. We, we've never had enough parking. The neighborhood was never willing or able to sustain as many people as were coming. We've had to add services, try to expand. We've been in difficult situations with the city, trying to get more opportunities to have more services and to be able to put more seats in here and find more parking. It's been incredibly problematic. <clears throat> and trying to solve that problem, we scoured all of Carpinteria. We looked at every single building, every piece of land that was for sale and not for sale, explored every possibility, 
have been through major meetings, have drawn up plans, proposals, stood before the city, tried to create things, tried to buy the whole universe, anything we could do <laughs> to deal with this problem that we had here at the Carpinteria campus of overcrowding since day one. And then, as sometimes happens, as we begin to pray, God began, began to kind of adjust our thinking on that a little bit. We begin to see that perhaps the goal is not to get everybody here. Maybe that's a little bit of a missional failure and not the best expression of the local church. Because what's happening is, if everyone's coming here, then they're really leaving their primary spaces and places of relationship, neighbors, recreation, work, all that stuff, they, they, they leave their primary space of life to come to church in a different town. That's not really what we think the, the local church should be. The local church should be a local thing where you're in your primary space of relationship, recreation, family, friends, neighbors, so on and so forth. So then, as we begin to pray, the problem turned into an opportunity. And then that's when the Lord gave us the idea to launch the campus in Ventura, right? In the fall of 2009, he gave us the idea to launch the campus in Ventura. And it, it would do a couple things. Number one, we thought it would solve a problem because we did an informal survey at the time and saw that a third of our church was from Carpinteria, a third was from north of it, and a third was from south of it. So we figured this is great. This will open up some space, alleviate some problems. Our neighbors won't hate us. The city won't be upset at us. We'll be able to get people in here. This will be wonderful. We're, we'll open it up down there. But it was more than a problem-solving mechanism. It, it was a missional impetus to reach Ventura. We had this burden and burning desire to introduce, explain, and expose Jesus to as many people as possible in Ventura. So we opened up the Ventura campus, and it's been wildly successful. In a year and a half, the Ventura campus has grown to the same size as this campus, attendance-wise. We've seen tons of people get saved, tons of people getting set free, healed, cared for, loved, restored, in community, in relationship, on fire for Jesus, being sent out, seeing themselves on mission, fruitful Christian experience happening through the launching of that campus down there. And we learned a few things from that. Number one, we learned that even though there's lots of great churches in Ventura that we've prayed for and continue to pray for and love and bless, there was room for more. There's more people in Ventura than there was seats in churches, so, so there was still room for more. Apparently, there was still a need because we were the fastest growing church in the city of Ventura. So there was a need and, and a good need. Beyond that, we found out that the video format really works well. You know, we're streamed on Sundays down to Ventura. And it doesn't work for everybody. That's why God made other churches that they could go to. But it seems to work for a lot of people. You know, we're a really video-oriented culture aren't we? I mean, we, we do almost everything on video. We're, we're super into video, especially the younger generation. Like when I go to a website nowadays, if it's not like a blaring video on my face, I'm like, close, window, done. <laughs> like, where's the video? And, <clears throat> and this thing of, of, of gathering to, to watch a person or people live is actually an incredibly rare phenomenon in our culture now. 
it, it, was, it was more prevalent before certain technology was invented and developed, but it's actually really rare right now. The only place that it really happens is the classroom, which everybody hates, <laughs> churches, and concerts. And, and for most Americans, once they've graduated from school, church and concert is an incredibly rare experience. But, but the video, someone on video and paying attention to what's going on on video, that seems to connect with our culture proven by the fact of how fruitful it's been, how quickly it's grown down there, and the fact that when on occasion I go down there to preach live, right, you guys in Ventura, who I'm speaking to right now, you guys are like, Britt, we love you. It's really sweet that you came, but we actually like you more on video. <laughs> There's probably a lot of reasons why that is, but one is the, the picture's bigger, and you, you can see all my blemishes, and it makes you feel better about you, and... <laughs> But, but it did, the, the success of that campus and other multi-campus endeavors around the world by churches proves that the message and the other factors of church, community, sacraments, worship, experiencing Christ, doing life together, are more important than a messenger's physical presence. That's, that's very clear. So that's been really successful as far as the missional component of reaching more people for Christ in Ventura. Tremendous success. What wasn't a success is making room here at the Carpinteria campus. As soon as Ventura left, the seats filled up. And that's a great problem, but it's a problem nonetheless. We were back at the drawing board. What are we going to do? Again, we exhausted every possibility in Carpinteria. Every possibility has been exhausted. And we realize that these people are coming from somewhere. I grew up in Carpinteria. I don't recognize many of you. <laughs> Where are you from? <laughs> so... In the fall of this year, we're opening up a campus in the city of Santa Barbara. I'm glad you feel that way about it. So we're going to go from being one church in two locations to being one church in three locations now. Um, some of you are, are still not convinced about the merits of doing church in a multi-campus style. Um, so before we launched the Ventura campus, I did an extensive teaching on why we believe it's valid theologically, philosophically, sociologically, and technologically. Okay, so you can go and watch that. It's online right now at a new web address called RealitySB. Com, <laughs> which is not yet developed, so don't get your hopes up, but we just, we, we, we put that message up there because some of you have valid concerns. You're like, Britt, theologically speaking, biblically speaking, is it okay to do that? In what ways does it make sense? So an extensive explanation of that, you could go look at that there. Now, I, I want to let you in on, on the process of, of how something like this works at your church, Okay. My primary job, I, I have two, 
if, if, if I ha we're not that into titles, but when you have to put one on me, I am the pastor for preaching and vision at reality. Those are the, my two primarily, primary places of responsibility. Like when you guys all the time you come to me looking for other stuff and I'm like, I'm not even the guy, I don't even know. And you're like, I don't believe you. I'm like, I swear. <laughs> preaching and vision, I can't see you, I'm talking to you, I don't know. So preaching and vision, okay? And you guys know I, I preach most of the time and I enjoy doing that and I'm thankful to have that job, incredibly thankful. The other one is vision. Let me, let me tell you how I view that. When we look together at the book of Acts, it's abundantly clear that the Holy Spirit is in charge. It is abundantly clear over and over again. The Spirit said what, where, and how to the church over and over again. They, they got direction, imperatives. Uh, 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 they were told no over and over again by the Holy Spirit. It's Christ's church. We believe that. He's the senior pastor. We believe that. That's not my title or anybody in this church because that's Christ's title, right? But the Holy Spirit seems to be the one that leads the church in mission. So when I say, gosh, my job is, is then vision, then part of what I do is try to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. I never do that alone. That's always done in community. In community, we hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. But, but I kind of have a lead role, just like I'm not, I'm not the only preacher here. There's other guys that teach and preach and blah, blah, blah. So I take a lead role in that. Here's what it looks like in this specific instance. It was 2008, when I first started feeling like, gosh, I think the Lord is calling us to go multi-campus, and I think that Santa Barbara is going to be one of those campuses, okay? So three years ago that I began to receive that vision from the Spirit. I, I, I sensed it was from the Lord. When, when I get something like that from the Lord, I go to people that I trust, okay? People that know my sin issues, people that know my ambitions, people that know my secret and hidden motives and agendas, people that know my blind spots and my weaknesses, I go to those people to say, I, I think this is what I hear the Lord saying. Help me pray this through. Is, is there some of me in this? Is there a blind spot? What's going on? So those sort of people are my wife. She knows me pretty well. Um, and then I have <clears throat> certain elders on staff here that, we're really close with, and they serve as personal counselors in my life that, that I'll go to, and I'll say, here's what I'm thinking. You're invested in the church. You're just as invested as I, as I am. This affects your life. You have as much responsibility as I do. What, what are your thoughts on this? And then I have advisors who are outside of our local church, okay? And these are men that I've submitted myself to accountability, uh, account, in a, the sense of accountability, who really know my weaknesses, my blind spots, my sinful proclivities, my tendency toward arrogance and wanting fame and recognition. So I'll go to those guys and say, here's what I'm thinking. What do you think? And then I will go to trusted intercessors within the church. Okay, different people in the church who have committed to pray for me and my role in reality over the years that I bounce stuff off of and say, I really think you're excellent at hearing from the Lord. Are you hearing the same thing? So between my wife 
certain elders that play that role in my life inside the church, other pastors outside the church who pastor huge churches and do other things and have lots of experience and trusted intercessors. After that group is all saying, no, Britt, we, th- we think you're hearing the Lord. We think the Lord is leading in this direction. We're with you on that. Then I'll make, and this is what I did in the beginning of January this year, an official presentation to the elders of the church. We hang out together and we're best friends, so they already know what's on my heart and my mind and and how I think the Lord is leading us. But I took them up in the mountains for two days to make an official presentation. This is what I think the Spirit is saying to the church. I think we're supposed to open a campus in Santa Barbara this year. The time is now. We're supposed to go for it. So scheduled two days to be in the mountains with them. I was really nervous about it. Put together a presentation and all this and casting vision. That's my job. They pay me to do that. Uh, And I thought it would take a couple days to kind of convince the most of them of that. And when we first started speaking about it, man, the Holy Spirit was just so present to confirm and was speaking so radically. It was one of those things where, you know when it's like you and someone else and Jesus in the room? It was like, one of those. And not that little, like, we're two or more gathered. There he is in our midst. Like, who? Not like that cheesy cop-out thing, but like for real, like, like the spirit of God is here. And, and the elders of your church begin to prophesy what the Lord was saying, begin to speak encouragement, begin to be given scriptures that spoke into the situation. We had tons of fear about it coming from all sorts of different directions, opposition and what people might think and the great amount of risk that it is for us and as a church and personal sacrifices. And he just met us and, and, and just quelled those fears and spoke to them and, and confirmed and lifted us up. It was incredible. It was like one of the most supernatural experiences in my life. Just God meeting the elders of your church to confer vision in, in, in the most profound way. As the day was ending, we, we looked out this window. We were in the mountains in this room someone had provided for us, and we saw that the sun was setting and the moon was rising over the mountains, and we're like, let's go up on the mountain and worship Jesus, and we're just like, oh, you know, juiced on the spirit. We're like, let's go. And we ran up there with a guitar, and, and we're just singing to the Lord, and like, as much as I've, I don't even know how to explain, but like, Jesus came tangible, there, like experienced. And I, I think I'll keep it private. I don't think I'll make public what that looked like because too many of you are critical and you, you, you'd get weird about it. And I'd actually be okay with that because we need to shrink the church a little bit. But, <laughs> but I might save it for another day. But let's just say, I mean, I experience with all of my senses the person of Christ. And, and it was just this confirmation thing of, I'm, I'm with you guys. And if the Lord is for you, who can be against you? No, don't be afraid of this. I'm leading you into mission and I'm really with you. And so then we came back from that. And the next step now, right? Okay, so it's, it's gone through the wife. It's gone through the trusted elders who are close to me that play that role in my life. It's gone through advisors outside of our local church. It's gone through the intercessors that you can't get a dang thing by because they talk to Jesus. And it's gone through the elders. And so now then I made an official presentation to everybody on staff at Reality, full-time, part-time, whatever it is you work for Reality, we'll do an official presentation. Laid it all out and it was yes and amens across the board. The consensus was... This is clearly what Christ is calling us to do. 
there's no, this is just what Jesus is telling us to do. So then we informed a few other key leaders in the church uh, that aren't on staff, but it would affect them and, and their callings and their ministries. And then Pastor G and I went and met with pastors in Santa Barbara. We wanted them to hear it from us, not through the grapevine. We, we wanted to honor who they are as shepherds in that city. We wanted to honor their years of ministry, the fruit that has come from that. Uh, we wanted to further develop relationship and cast the vision. And so we met with a whole bunch of them uh, from all the kind of bigger, more influential, leading, known churches. And we've got more that we're still going to meet with, but met with a whole bunch of them. And across the board, almost verbatim, they all said, we love what God is doing in reality. We see what God is doing. This seems like Jesus to us. We support you and our arms are open. Let's do this. which was incredibly, I mean, beautiful. That, it, it, it was just beautiful in every way. We, we were just so blown away and blessed and, and really got a chance to honor them and uh, be in great relationship. So then the next step would be, okay, got it, past the wife, okay, trusted advisors, elders that are, are super close and play that role, intercessors, the 12 elders of the church all together, the staff, some other key leaders, now, you guys. You see, hearing the Spirit is done in community. So now we're bringing it to you guys and, and we're saying, do, do, do you see Jesus doing this? Does, does this seem, the front row does. They always do. Do, do, you, do you seem to be realizing this, that, that Christ is building his church here in Carpentry? Inventor and north of Carpinteria. Yeah. We recently took a survey and uh, it was on an off Sunday. Not everybody was here, but it showed that at least 65% of the people that attend the Carpinteria campus are from north of Carpinteria. Yeah. At least 65. So it, it used to be a third. Now it's at least 65%. What's abundantly clear is that God is building his church here and north of here. And because he's doing that, we feel as though it would be disobedience for us not to plant a campus in Santa Barbara because staying here hinders growth. What we're called to do, not, we don't want to grow just to grow. Trust me, I've, I've wanted to stay small. I, my favorite time was when there was just a couple hundred of us in this old warehouse before we built it and our services were nine hours long. I was like... <laughs> Best thing ever. You know I've tried to stay small because I, I insult you guys so often to try to get you to go somewhere. I try to shrink the church and Jesus keeps growing it. So, so he's calling us to reach as many people as possible with the good news of Jesus Christ. And he just seems to be doing it here as well as there. So because the doors are so closed in Carpinteria for expansion, it, it would be disobedience to that mission of reaching as many people as we can with the good news of Jesus Christ to stay here. We, I honestly feel as though we'd be dis disobeying. We will stay here, but Carpinteria will be a campus, right? One church, three locations. Now that, 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 that worried me because I'm a cart boy. I'll just be honest. I'll throw my cards on the table like I'm, I'm a cart boy. 
just love carb, just want to always be here, die here, want to get assassinated here, love this city. I don't know why I keep saying that today. I hope that's not prophecy. Huh. So I was concerned, like, how's that going to go for the church in Carp? That was one of my primary concerns. And then during that time where the Holy Spirit met us as elders and spoke to us prophetically, he gave us this verse. So I'm going to read to you a verse from Deuteronomy 28, a few verses, eight of them. They'll be on the screen. Now realize very carefully here. When, when we do this with verses, when we say, the Lord spoke to me through this verse, we are almost always ripping them out of context and thinking it to say something that it doesn't say. And that's not good. Exegetically speaking, you should never do that. But on occasion, it seems to me that God uses his word to say specific words to us that mean something for that situation. It's not for everybody. That's not necessarily what that verse means. God just took it in that moment and encouraged you with it. You you get that? Some of you don't get that, and I'm happy to shrink the church by you (laughs) not getting that. Deuteronomy, I'm just kidding. Deuteronomy 28, the Lord spoke this, said, now it shall be if you diligently obey the Lord your God. Okay, because we were scared to take the step. If you diligently obey the Lord your God, being careful to do all of his commandments, we feel like we're supposed to do this, which I command you today, it was that day, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. All these blessings will come upon you and overtake you if you obey the Lord your God. Here's a key part for the well-being of the Carpentry campus. Blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the country. And when we read that, we knew that God was saying he was gonna bless the campus in Santa Barbara that's in the city and he was gonna bless the campus in Carpentry. It's in the country. And we like being a little bit country, y'all, right? Don't we? (laughs) The Lord was saying that. Verse four. Blessed shall be the offspring of your body and the produce of your ground and the offspring of your beasts and the increase of your herd and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord was simply saying, I'm going to bless on both ends and he is blessing our Ventura campus. And then we had all this fear, you know, the enemy, gosh, Satan already hates us. He's going to be really upset. Verse seven, the Lord shall cause your enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before you. They will come out against you one way and will flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing upon you in your barns and all that you put your hand to. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God gives you. So he just encouraged us with that and, and, and showed us that he's going to bless all the campuses. This campus isn't going to suffer. This campus will remain with the facility uh, most of the staff that you see on a Sunday at the Carpinteria campus will be here. Ventura campus will be unchanged. All your staff will be here. Most of the staff will be here. One significant change is I will be preaching weekly from Santa Barbara. And I, I got to tell you about that. Those are the 65% from Santa Barbara. (laughs) My cart people are like, you traitor. (laughs) What happened, Holmes? (laughs) And I got to be really, really honest about that. For for me and and for the rest of the elders and the pastors here at Reality, 
that just is being obedient. That's being obedient. I, if, if I didn't do that, I, I would stand before you guys as your pastor in disobedience. That's really what Christ, we believe, is, is telling us to do, that that will be the headquarters for the preaching of reality, Santa Barbara, Carpinteria, and Ventura. And, you know, I realize that for some of you that's, that's difficult and, and you're um, afraid of that change. I'm really afraid of that change. I, I really am. I'm trying to not be ruled by fear, but rather ruled by Christ and trying to be obedient. So I, so I understand some of the difficult implications of that, for that for some of you, that feels like betrayal. I, I, I'm just asking you to stick with us and to pray this thing through. I, I really think this is what the Lord is doing. And I, I really think that the Carpinteria campus is going to grow more than ever before. Because let me just talk to my carp people for a minute. We... <laughs> We, we kind of like it when it's just us. Like we were cool because of Jesus when all these people were coming from everywhere else, but we're excited, Carpinteria. I think that when it's a local church in the way it should be, just like Santa Barbara and Ventura, that it's gonna grow and you guys are gonna become more missionally insightful, missionally impactful, and that more people in Carpinteria are gonna hear the good news. I, I really believe that God is gonna bless in that way and that we're just being obedient to reach as many as possible when we do that. So, We'll wrestle through that together and the implications of it. Here's the strategy. We're hoping to launch this fall, right? Probably, hopefully, mid-September. We don't know if we're, we'll hit that goal. Here's us and goals. Um, when I announced the Ventura campus, I said, okay, we're, we're going to launch in three months. It was 18 months later <laughs> that we launched. So we're not great on timing, and we don't often hit our goals on time. So we're hoping to launch in September. Uh, we'll see what happens. Location. We don't know. <laughs> we don't have a location. We're shaking every tree. We're knocking on every door. We're exploring it. We're doing cost-benefit analysis. We're, we're trying to see what would make sense. We want to invite you guys in to the process. So we're going to do what we do. We're going to have prayer meetings. That's what we do. We, we pray more than we do. So we're going to start having prayer meetings on Thursday nights in the city of Santa Barbara. Every Thursday night until we launch, we're going to have a prayer meeting at 7 p.m. in the city of Santa Barbara. I'm calling everybody who sees himself as being on mission with Jesus in this church to come to those prayer meetings. We need to birth and launch this thing together. You know, when we did our pre-launch prayer meetings down in Ventura, there were so many of you, people driving from Isla Vista to go pray down there. Obviously, lots of people in Ventura. Carpenter, we, we did that thing together. We'll be investing in the city of Santa Barbara as we pray together. So those will start next Thursday, March 24th. Um, we don't know the location yet, but you can go to realitysb.com and find that out. It'll be kind of a roving prayer meeting. Different churches will host us. We'll have some other um, pastors come and, and play host and share with us and stuff. So it'll kind of be roving starting March 24th, 7 p.m. This week, you guys will be praying in your life groups. Okay, so everyone in their life groups is going to start praying for the launch of Reality Santa Barbara. And then a cool thing is that we're doing Easter in Santa Barbara. And, and God just kind of worked that out. And it's just kind of a cool introduction for us and, and be able to invite people and be there and proclaim and, and experience what the Spirit is doing through each one, reach one. So really, church, this is a fresh call for us to be on mission. And you know, I, I, we, we all got to realize that mission always denotes sacrifice. It just does. And, and it always means change. And I, I just... I just want to encourage us, and I'm, I'm preaching to myself too, to not be ruled by fear and the fear of change. There's, there's going to be a lot of change. 
And think, think about if, if the disciples had just sat around Jerusalem and said, we, we don't want anything to change. The world wouldn't have changed. And, and then that change always comes at great sacrifice. When, when we started this church in 2003, there's a lot of people who made tremendous sacrifice. And, and there's been incredible fruit. After this church, we launched Reality LA in 2006. Tons of sacrifice on our part. We are a young church. We financed them 100%. We sent one of the best young preachers I've ever heard or known in my life there. We sent some of our very best people, tons of resources. It's now the fastest growing church in urban Los Angeles. Tremendous fruit, but there was tremendous sacrifice on the front end. Uh, 2007. We started Reality Stockton. It's now a multi-campus church. Oh, yeah, we got some of them peeps. It's now a multi-campus church called Reality Central Valley. I was just there preaching last Sunday. They are on fire for Jesus. They are healthy. They're reaching people that nobody else seems to be reaching. They're doing an incredible job. There was a great amount of sacrifice, and there still is, to be a part of that mission. And it's paying off. And then in 2009, Reality Los Angeles birthed our first grandbaby, Reality London. Tons of sacrifice there. We still as a church paying multiple thousands of dollars every month toward that church and seeing it get going. And then in 2009, of course, we launched Reality Ventura, the campus. Lots of sacrifice. We spent a million and a half dollars in one year on that campus, and Jesus has saved so many people. It's just incredible. A lot of sacrifice, a lot of work, a lot of people giving up a lot. And then in 2010, we launched Reality San Francisco. People put, oh yeah, we got some SF people in here? All right. People put their lives on their line for that. Listen, Reality San Francisco is going absolutely nuts. It's the fastest growing church in the city of San Francisco. They cannot contain all the people. They're out of building, out of space, out of skill, out of wherewithal. They're, they're, it's just incredible what God is doing up there. It took a lot of sacrifice. So in 2011, we're going to launch Reality Santa Barbara, the campus. It's going to mean some change. It's going to mean some sacrifice. In 2011 or 2012, we're also re uh, launching another reality, a full-fledged church. Where? Um, we'll call it Reality TBD right now. Reality to be determined. We're, we're not going to announce where it's at yet, but that's coming as well. And you know, people are going to put their life on the line for that. So I know that this means change, but that's why I preface this whole thing by saying today this is for people who are mutually invested in the mission that Christ by his grace and for his glory is calling reality to. It's a lot of change for my life. It's a lot of discomfort. It's not what I've chosen for myself, but I have chosen Christ. And where Christ calls, I will go. And I believe that's true for our church, that where Christ is calling, we will go. So we have an opportunity to be a part of something amazing God is doing in our lifetime and in our cities. It's a tremendous opportunity. So I'm calling you guys to prayer when those prayer meetings start. And we'll just kind of put a down payment on that by praying right now. Okay, so we'll just get back in groups and we'll end the day this way. I just want you to pray for these three things. Pray for the people of Santa Barbara. 
right? Open hearts, that they start desiring Jesus, that they start wanting Jesus, wanting to hear good news. Pray for the churches of Santa Barbara. Don't pray for reality. Pray for the churches of Santa Barbara that are already there, that God would bless them tremendously, that they'd have their most fruitful year ever, that God would blow them away with the harvest he would bring in. And then pray that God would continue to open up the door for us. It's by his grace and for his glory that he's called us in. So let's pray for the people, the churches, and an open door. Take a few minutes, grab one another, and let's pray. Is anybody down for this thing? Is anybody down? All right, let's take a few minutes and pray.